Welcome back to another edition of Official Word Sports. I'm Vince, and I'm here with my co-host, Stevie D. And Stevie D, we're trying to put a bow on this draft, but there's just so much going on. Yeah, it's uh, it's a never-ending draft, and uh, it's kind of exciting that uh, we can kind of tie it all together with uh, with a couple of great guests. Absolutely. You know, when when you think about it, the NFL draft is like Christmas, right? Because you, you wake up Christmas morning and you, you go run downstairs, look under the tree and unwrap that present to see what you got. And, and right now we're headed into OTAs and the mini camps and the team. We're getting a chance to see exactly what we got from this draft. And I'm excited from a Buffalo Bills perspective. Well, I tell you. I thought you guys had a good draft. I thought my Jets did pretty good. But I got to say, that that little intro right there when you said the Christmas, you you brought me back into the 80s with that little intro there, Vince. And I don't know if you know where I'm going with it, so I'm just going to come out and say it. You sounded like John Madden. <laughs> you absolutely sounded like John Madden. I was. It brought me back to the 80s there when, when Madden and some rolled together and he'd do his little – his little chalkboard there and, and kind of do like a, I was waiting for the boom to come because it, it just sounded perfectly. What a great way to, to kind of bring us into this show. Um, and um, yeah, I'm really excited to kind of put the bow on our, on the draft 2019 draft, um, especially with our two favorite teams. Absolutely. So to kick it off, Stevie D we're going to have two guests. Uh, one is to represent the Buffalo bills. The other is to represent the New York jets. And leading off is the Buffalo Bills. And so for the Buffalo Bills, we're going to be bringing on Sal Capaccio. Sal is uh, from WGR Sports Radio 550 in Buffalo. He's also the Bills sideline reporter. He also has his own show, Sal Sports. He has his own podcast. And really, Sal is all-knowing when it comes to the Buffalo Bills. Welcome to Official Word Sports, Sal. Hey, guys, that's a nice and fine introduction. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. <laughs> well, the, the the accolades can go on because everybody reveres you up there in the 716. But, Sal, we well, really... <laughs> it's, sorry, it's, it's great to be up here. I used to be... I lived in Florida for 16 years, and I always joke I'm the only man in America who chose to leave Florida to go to Buffalo, New York. But this is home <laughs> for me. I grew up here. And, uh, you know, it's it's great. It's been... It's been um, it was the best decision my wife and I ever made when I moved back to Buffalo in 2011. Sal, you're, you're going to make me feel bad that I don't want to come back. <laughs> uh, it's all right. It's all right. I miss some things. I miss playing golf a lot. That's for sure. Um, I did play today, actually, here. I could play this time of year, but that's one thing I miss. But, you know, growing up uh, in Buffalo, and I used to go to – I went to Syracuse University, and I had season tickets during the Super Bowl years. And I used to take a Greyhound bus because I was a poor college student and didn't, didn't have a car. I take a Greyhound bus from Syracuse back to Buffalo, and I used to dream of, oh, maybe someday I'll be, you know, <clears throat> covering the team in the press box. And now here I am. I'm on the sidelines every Sunday. I fly with the team and stay in hotels and go to all these stadiums. And it's pretty much incredible life and dream come true. So I'm, I'm really fortunate. Wow, Absolutely. that's excellent. That's that's awesome. Dreams come true. So let's talk about dreams coming true. Ed Oliver. Sal, I got to tell you, I never thought that it was going to happen. You had those reports that started circulating draft night that the Bills and the Jets were going to make a deal so that the Bills could move up for Oliver. But the way that whole draft just unraveled or unfolded, it, he fell right to Buffalo. Well, I don't think the Bills were moving up for Oliver. I think the Bills were going to move up for Quinn and Williams. 
Um, oh, okay. They won, yeah, yeah. They 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 were going to move up to number three. Was the rumor that they were looking to move up to number three? Um, I believe that if they would have done that, it would have been for Quentin Williams. I don't think there was any other player they would have uh, wanted it, 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 at that spot. <clears throat> Possibly like Josh Allen, but I don't think that was the case. It most would have been Quentin Williams. Uh, I think they knew that if they stayed at nine, they had a chance to get out Oliver, but it was uh, really kind of, you know, iffy. And even after the draft, when I asked Brandon Bean about, because they do mock drafts, the team does, and the um, his staff. And, you know, I said, how many times in your mock drafts did you have at Oliver falling to number nine? He said something interesting. He said, anytime we only had one quarterback going, he didn't get to us. When we had two quarterbacks uh, going in the top eight, that is, uh, it was kind of 50-50. And if it was three quarterbacks going, he, he got to us. Well, three quarterbacks didn't go, but you had surprise picks, right? I mean, you had the, um, you had the uh, Cleveland Farrell going to the Raiders at number four, which is a huge surprise. Yes. And I think that's really what set the stable table for Oliver to drop. Yeah, absolutely agree with you. I, I was absolutely shocked. And I, I'll tell you, after the draft, you started to hear – the little story that if Mike Mayock had still been with the NFL network and was high on Ceylon Farrell, that then everybody would be okay with the pick. I just don't see that. Well, I think that he's a fine player. Uh, I think the question is about value, right? I mean, um, you probably, you could probably have gotten him a little bit later. I think they had three first rounders. Maybe they felt, you know what, we're still going to get two really good players. Let's just stay where we are. And, we're going to come out with three guys we really like. And they did a good job the rest of the draft, I felt, in that first round especially, and came away with players they could use and players that can help them. So it was a surprise. I don't think he was valued at number four. Most people felt he wasn't valued at number four. But, um, you know, I guess they just felt that he did. But it's good for the Bills because it was a surprise pick that not many people felt. And, you know, with Daniel Jones going as high as he did, that was another surprise. Uh, and then Kyler Murray, of course, the quarterback, that's, that's the three – QBs, even though it's not really three QBs, it's what Brandon Bean talked about. It was basically three guys that could push the rest of the board down, and that's what allowed Oliver to fall in nine. So, so let me ask you this: if 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 the Giants don't take a third round pick in the first round, <laughs> um, and, and and let's say they went Josh Allen, right, and then the Jacksonville Jaguars, maybe they taken Ed Oliver. Who who do you think the Bills would have taken if Ed Oliver wasn't there at nine? Well, if TJ Hawkinson was there, I think he could have been the pick. Um, if, but he was taken right ahead of them by the Lions. Yep. If he was also gone, I think the Bills would have traded down. Um, I think that would have been their preferred option in that situation. I'm not really sure who they would have gone with if they had um, stayed there and those and they didn't trade. Maybe one of the, you know, the fact that they traded up for Cody Ford in the second round tells me it could have been an offensive tackle. Maybe they liked there, uh, but yeah, I'm not really sure. But I think their preferred option would have been either TJ Hawkinson or to trade down if that Oliver wasn't there. Gotcha. No, it's it's funny you say trading down because uh, mm -hmm. we did a mock draft, uh, you know, just a couple of weeks before the actual draft. And part of it, I had Buffalo trading down with Washington so that Washington could go up and get Haskins. That That's where I had Haskins being picked at number nine. Again, the way the table fell, you know, they were, they were able to stand pat at 15. And, you know, just things just didn't seem to materialize as far as any type of movement or the need for movement. But Sam. Yeah, I think I think trading down was always the preferred option for most people and myself included going back to January saying this this team should trade down. But, you know, once you saw what Ed Oliver could do and how he fit and thinking about Kyle Williams being gone, I think that that became a natural fit for the Bills if he was there. And he was, fortunately. Now, what's your take on, on Oliver? Do you feel as though he, he is going to be – 
uh, as dominant as some have projected. Uh, it seems like he's still a little bit raw. Uh, certainly he is an Outland Trophy winner, and Stevie D and I were going over that. You know, Bruce Smith was an Outland Trophy winner as well. Well, I wouldn't call him raw. I mean, he's he's a guy that's already got, a, you know, he's, he has a lot of games under his belt. He's played. He has talent. Um, I, I think that the only thing about him that would concern some people is his size. Uh, he's he's smaller for a defensive tackle. He's he's built more like Aaron Donald, who was great, by the way. We all know that. But, you know, this is not a guy that you're going to plug in there that asks to be a two-gapper and eat up blocks and things like that. This is a guy that's going to rely on his – his uh, quickness and his smaller size to be a penetrator. That's what he's done. He was a little bit out of position, I thought, at Houston. And people talked about that a lot, which was he played the nose. And it was more of a odd front, a 3-4, a nose tackle they used. And, you know, that was him. And in that defense, he was the best defensive lineman, so they put him there. But you think about it, that means he had to go against pretty much two guys on every play, a center and a guard on almost every play. Uh, he won't do that in Buffalo. He'll be next to Star Latulale. He'll be... Next to Jordan Phillips or Harrison Phillips, whoever's in there, uh, there'll be two defensive linemen, two defensive tackles, I should say, and he'll be a one-gap penetrator, and that's really where his um, his benefit and his value is going to be. I don't know about dominant. Look, I mean, if you go back and look how Sean McDermott runs his defense, he rotates defensive linemen. That's just what he's he's done. Kyle Williams was the only defensive lineman on the entire Bills last year, defensive tackle, to play over 50% of the snaps, and he was at like 68. But after that, Starla Tule was at 49. I do not expect that Oliver to be probably even over 60% next year. If he's between, I think he'd be, Ed Oliver's going to be between 50 and 60% of the snaps for the Buffalo Bills. He's a rookie. Uh, they have other guys. The philosophy of the defense is to rotate as it is. And if he's going to play that way, he's not going to be able to go for more than 60 snaps. because He's going to be flying around. He's going to you know, be tired. I mean, that's just what the, the way he's going to play. So, yeah, I, I think as far as dominant, I think that's however you look at it. He, he'll make plays. He'll flash. He'll make plays in the backfield, but he's not going to be on the field enough to be someone that, you know, every single play you're talking about. Sure. Sure. Let, let's go to the second round. Cody Ford. You mentioned that the bills traded up to get Cody Ford. Uh, they, for most of his time at Oklahoma, he was playing the guard position and then switched in his last year to tackle. Uh, do, you, do you think he has the body and the ability to play on that outside? He does, and that's where he's starting out with the Bills. We were just at OTAs, the first round of OTAs uh, this week, and he was lined up as the second-team right tackle. Uh, first team was uh, Ty Insecki. So he's going to start out at right tackle. They're going to see how well he does there, and if they need to, they'll move him inside. Uh, but right now, he's going to be right tackle, and I do think he can play there. The Bills really, really value position flexibility. A lot of guys they sign, whether it's on the offensive line, um, in the in the secondary uh, guys in the defensive line, anything. It's position flexibility. They really care about guys, receivers who can play inside and outside. And they have several guys who either can play center and guard or guard and tackle or just up and down the line. And I think that's one of the things that really appealed to them about Cody Ford, aside from the fact that he was very good at Oklahoma and, you know, he can be a um, really good tackle or guard, depending on, you know, how you want to use them and what system you want to put them in. Sure. Sure. And then the pick that kind of shocked me, because I, I really thought that they were going to go tight in early, was when they drafted Devin Singletary, and, and which is a little bit of a head-scratcher, if you think, because they had just signed Fred Gore, or Frank Gore, I'm sorry, and they had just signed T.J. Yeldon, plus with LaShawn McCoy, it's already a crowded backfield. 
but I, there's a lot of good a lot of good press coming out on Devin Singletary. Kind of reminds you a little bit of a Maurice Jones Drew type with his size and ability. Yeah, you know, I mean, I was surprised as well. I agree with you on that. But you have to understand that Brandon Bean sticks to his board. He doesn't he doesn't draft because he needs a position, or he doesn't need a position. If the guy is there that they have a value on a guy and he's there and it matches the value and he's the highest rated player, they're going to go with that guy. Now, of course. Sometimes you steer clear because, okay, we don't need a quarterback. We're not going to – if Daniel Jones is our highest-rated player, they wouldn't take him. They already have Josh Allen. But they're going to take a guy who is pretty much the highest-rated player at that position because you want good football players, and anything can happen. You know, we go out to OTAs the other day. Frank Gore already has a foot and ankle injury, and he's limited in practice. DJ Yeldon has a groin injury. He's out. You know, <laughs> guys get guys get hurt. I mean, you know, yeah. you need good football players on your team. You can't project what's going to happen in September when you're talking about the draft and thinking, you know, positions. and. Yeah, I also thought they might go tight end early, but again, they're not going to draft just for a position. They're going to draft their highest-rated players. If T.J. Hawkinson was available, you know, in the second round, which wasn't going to happen, he might have very well been the pick. But once they got to the second and third round, the value just didn't match up to draft a tight end. They did in the fourth round, obviously, uh, when they got Dawson Knox, and you know that's what happened there. With you know, hey, we we have a value on this guy. He's sitting there and. You know, we're going to take him. And Brandon Bean said after Dawson Knox, they felt it was a big drop off from the tight ends to the the next grouping, which, you know, he didn't want to wait any longer. He had a guy, he matched the value. So he went and got him. So I agree with you though. And then as far as Devin Singletary, Bean said he was the most fun film that he watched during the pre-draft process. So, you know, I went back and rewatched some stuff on Devin Singletary and he is fun to watch. He's really fun over at FAU, 66 touchdowns in three years on the ground, but the guy, he, he, I think he has eyes through his ear holes. I mean, he sees people coming from everywhere. It's crazy, his vision and his balance. And he's not the fastest guy in the world, but he's fast enough. And he does. He reminds me a lot of LaShawn McCoy, ironically. Really? Well, wow. That's high praise. High praise. Because well, when I look at Frank Gore, to your point, Sal, um, Frank Gore's had some injuries. T.J. Yeldon's on the what on a one-year deal. Those guys are so expendable if they're a little banged up in training camp. You know, maybe maybe Devin moves up the leaderboard, and and those guys wind up getting cut because it really doesn't cost the Bills anything to hold them and then cut them before week one, right? So, you well, just never true, know. But but you're also going to keep it probably you could keep four running backs, and you might even keep five depending on special teamers. You know, if guys can play special teams, they can prove their worth. I went back and looked because this has been a big discussion. Obviously, everybody talks about. LaShawn especially, but the running back numbers. And after they had drafted Devin, I went back and looked at the numbers. And the Bills last year, on game day, every single game day, they had four running backs. Now, not all four were active as part of the as part of the 46-man the active roster on game day, but one was usually inactive, but they still had four. So you think about it, they have four right now they can use there. Frank, uh, LaShawn McCoy, Frank Gore, TJ Yeldon, Devin Singletary. They could all make the roster. It just doesn't mean that they're all going to be active on game day, and you can go according to what you need for a game plan. Sure. Sure. Now, the the last pick of, of the top four is, is an interesting one because you talked about Devin Singletary and all the touchdowns he had there at Florida Atlantic. Dawson Knox never scored a touchdown while he was at Ole Miss. I, when I heard that, I was absolutely shocked. However, he's playing on, on a team that's absolutely loaded with weapons, right? You had D.K. Metcalf, who everybody thought originally was coming to Buffalo uh, and, and who I wanted, by the way. Uh, but you had, you know, other wide receivers, top wide receivers on the team. And then you have Dawson Knox, who was very productive. Yeah, he did not um, score, and he really didn't have many – I think he had like 15 catches or something like that. And, 
exactly what you said. A, they just had a ton of weapons. You know, they had a ton of guys. B, they don't, he didn't play in an offense that threw to the tight end that much as it was. You know, Ole Miss is known through for and have been a, an offense that, you know, spread the ball around to the wide receivers and the running backs even getting involved in the passing game a little bit more. Um, the other thing is, guys, he's more of the raw guy. Like, the, 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 this is a guy that switched positions. He was a quarterback. He went to Ole Miss. I think they moved him to tight end early, but he was still working at quarterback. In fact, he was backing up Chad Kelly at one point at quarterback and almost went into a game yes. uh, early on in his college career. And then he wound up moving to tight end. Where, like you said, you know, he didn't have as much production. I agree with that. But if you watch him, he's super athletic. Um, he has kind of all the traits you look for. But this is a guy that is raw, and I wouldn't expect him to come right out. In fact, I'll say this. Tommy Sweeney, who was drafted late in the draft, the Bills' last draft pick, he'll probably be ahead of the game, if you will, as they go to training camp. Like, he'll, he's already – he's been a four-year player at Boston College. He's played tight end his whole life. But he just doesn't have the high-end ceiling that Dawson Knox had. But I would say that – if you watch the two of them once training camp comes around, I bet you Tommy Sweeney looks more like the more polished tight end and better. But as as we go through the process, Dawson Knox should should wind up wind up passing Tommy Sweeney and becoming somebody that the Bills might be able to you know really rely on at the position. And if I if I don't if I'm not mistaken, the the Buffalo Bills traded up. They traded two fourth round picks to move up to take Knox in this draft. Um, two fourth rounders. That might have been for Cody Ford. I have to, I, you guys have to go back and look at it. I'm not really sure. Okay. I don't remember what they traded for whom in each of the uh, drafts. And they, but they did trade. I think they did. They might have moved up for Dawson Knox, like a couple of different spots. But you'd have to go back and look on that. I'm not positive. Yeah. So, Sal, a couple guys, uh, one with the Bills and one not with the Bills, but some names that kind of surprised me that were not actually selected during the draft process. And that would be Tyree Jackson and Anthony Johnson, two guys from UB who had great careers, especially Anthony Johnson, who I just absolutely knew he was going to be selected and going somewhere. Well, I, let's start with Anthony Johnson. Um, yeah, I was surprised he didn't get drafted, but, you know, people last year were placing first, second round grade on him and coming out and all that with the production he had, you know, after last year. And I think that might have been a little bit, we were all getting a little ahead of ourselves because he was super productive, that's right. But the thing about Anthony Johnson is when you start watching and you start analyzing the tape and comparing him, he did nothing special. He's just really good in a lot of things. You know what I mean? He, he's not the fastest guy. He's not the biggest guy. He's not the strongest guy. He ha- he's not the best route runner. He just does all those things pretty well. And he had, he had volume. He had a lot of production in college because he was playing in an offense that was well-suited for him, and he was playing with an NFL-level quarterback in Tyree Jackson, and that helps. Um, so I think I, yeah, I was surprised as well, but the other part is this was a very good receivers class, right? I mean, there were guys that were going and still good receivers that were still going in the later rounds. And, you know, Anthony was just not, he was a numbers game maybe with him. Maybe if, uh, maybe if he goes with last year's group or next year's group, he is a guy that gets selected. Maybe if the draft is two rounds longer, he gets selected. I just think it was more of a numbers thing with him. And uh, But he'll have a chance. I think he has a chance in the NFL because he does do a lot of things well, and he was productive. He just does, he did nothing that stood out you know, to anybody, and I think that's why he didn't get selected. As far as Tyree, I'm way more shocked he didn't get drafted. I mean, this is a kid that has, in this day and age of the NFL, you're talking you know, 6'7", 240 pounds, whatever he is, 250 pounds. He can run. He's fast. He's athletic. He has a rocket for an arm. In this day and age in the NFL, that's the kind of quarterback I thought I would think a lot of teams want and are looking at. But 
yet, you know, he didn't get drafted. And I think for the Bills to go out and get him, we know now why they did it, right? Because Derek Anderson retired and they needed an extra arm and he had all the traits that they liked about him, you know, to bring him to camp. But let's let's be honest, it's going to be an uphill battle for him to make the roster. They're not going to cut Josh Allen. We know that they're not going to cut Matt Barkley. And I would say even if Tyree Jackson outperforms Matt Barkley in camp and preseason, Matt Barkley's not going anywhere because Josh Allen needs a veteran quarterback with him. And I, I think the only way that he makes the Bills roster is if he get, plays well enough to give them a reason and justifies them not keeping somebody at an extra an extra number at another position for special teams and say he's good enough for us to carry on the roster and not put on the field, which is a very tough sell. He he is the quarterback that I would love to have backing up Josh Allen for one reason, and that's the fact that their game is so similar to each other. Uh, and you don't have to make changes. If, if, God forbid, if something were to happen to Josh Allen where he's out a couple of games, you don't have to redo the whole playbook or the offensive scheme. You got a guy that, you know, same traits, same abilities – maybe just at a, at a, at a, just a lower tier. Yes, I agree that he does. And that's the point I made when he was select, which was, it does fit with that. And Brandon Bean's been asked about that, but he's not ready to be a backup in the NFL. I mean, he is, he is a raw project and he, it, the bill, if, if someone happened to Josh Allen and Tyree Jackson was the backup, I don't care how well suited he is because of the traits he has. He's not going into winning football games right now. It's just not going to happen. We saw Matt Barkley can do that. Matt Barkley's been in this league. Matt Barkley did that last year against the New York Jets when he came in. So the best case scenario for for Tyree Jackson, and I hope this happens, is you know he makes he gets put on the practice squad. You know he he'll probably not make the 53. They'll waive him. He'll clear. He'll get put on the practice squad, and he gets to be an NFL player for you know for 16 weeks, 17 weeks next year, and he gets to learn and be on the job. And he's never going to cause a problem. He's going to you know, he'll be a good scout team quarterback because he can simulate both kinds of quarterbacks which are pocket guys and athletic guys and then in in 2020 with a year under his belt now he challenges and goes to camps and training camp and challenges Matt Barkley for the number two job okay so Sal before we wrap this up I have one quick question for you Stevie D and I were were debating this earlier this evening the Bills have given away number 32 What, what what's your thought on that? It's been a huge topic up here, guys. Huge. There's a lot of there's a lot of people upset about it. There's a lot of people who don't care that they did it, and it's it's really polarizing. Um, I'm more interested in my position as like as a reporter and a host to kind of see that, see that, see what the fans are thinking and how there are some people for it, some people against it. And the crazy part is, and what's what's really interesting, there's three layers. There's like there's three sides to this. Okay. There's not just two. There's the side of yeah, you know what? It's a number and it's not retired. And the guy played a long time ago. We've already we gave out Andre Reed's number ten times already since he retired, right? Eighty three. It's been worn a lot of times. Right. So why not? Okay, that's one side. Number two side is how can you possibly give out the number of a guy who was accused of double murders, who made people believe that he did it and he's infamous and no one wants to remember that he even played for the Buffalo Bills because of all the horrible images and things that people think about him. And then the third side is how could they possibly give out his number? It should have been retired a long time ago because he's one of the greatest players in the history of the organization. And we should never give out the numbers of the greatest players in the history of the organization and doesn't even have anything to do with the other stuff. Right. That's what's crazy to me. There's three prongs to this. There are people mad about it, 
because of what he was accused of doing and what he was ultimately uh, convicted of in a civil case, obviously, not in a criminal case. There are other people mad about it because he's great and his number wasn't retired in the first place, and they think the Bills should have retired it a long time ago. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm not a Buffalo Bills historian here. Um, I'm of the New York Jet variety myself, but that's a, that's okay. That's another story for another day. Um, and my problems that I have that uh, <laughs> I, I, I've had a I've had a rough week too uh, in the lower half of the state. But um, how number thirty-two wasn't retired? So you're saying it wasn't retired? No, it was never retired. Oh, the bills it just never was a re- this never reissued. It was just never reissued. Correct. I so, do, so the I, bills I, only okay. have three retired numbers. They have Jim Kelly's number 12. That was retired years ago. Um, Bruce Smith's number 78 was just retired yeah. three years ago, I believe it was, against the Jets on a Thursday night, if you remember, when the they, the high-scoring Thursday night game. Yeah. And then and then Thurman last year got his number 34 retired during the Monday night game uh, at home against New England. And it's funny you say that, Stevie, because if you say, well, how could it not be retired? It, they haven't used it in 42 years. Well, the reason is because Ralph Wilson, who owned the team before the Pagulas, just said he, he, he never retired numbers. He just didn't do it and until he finally retired Jim's many years later. But he did not issue the number after OJ retired because he was so great. And then when everything went down with the murders, he said, I'm not giving out the number. And he was against giving out the number. They never retired the number. And at that point, you're not going to retire it because then you're honoring it, right? So it wasn't issued, but it wasn't retired. And then when everything happened in 1994 – it was, okay, we're not going to give it out because of what this guy's known for, but we can't retire it because retiring numbers means we're honoring numbers. You know, it, it's one of those crazy situations. In Stevie D, we didn't add that third element that Sal just brought up. We didn't add that one in. Um, Sal, as we Stevie, Stevie D and I were going back and forth, the way I look at it, at the end of the day, the number is for what you did on the field. Uh, and you know, you could go across the league and in all sports, and there's been something that a that a player has done, in a player whose number has been retired. We don't go through the whole unretiring, maybe not to the extent or magnitude from what happened with. Well, with I think Mojo. that's the point here, right? The extent of magnitude. This is a this is not just, you know, he was accused of or convicted of the domestic abuse. This is a this is a double murder that was maybe the most famous murder trial in the history of this country. And not only a football player, but a, a, a Hollywood star at that too, you know, who was going through this. So you're, I totally understand your position and what you're saying. And I think some people are coming from that. I I do think you have to, you know, think about the other element to it because yes, it is for what you did on the field. We know that with numbers, but you know, it's hard. I have a five-year-old son, you know, I mean, he doesn't know who OJ Simpson is. But if, but if he, when he goes to Bill's games someday and he sees a number hanging up there in 32, tell me about OJ, am I going to be able to tell him the story of OJ Simpson without telling him, oh, by the way, he murdered two people or accused of it at least. You know what I mean? I think that's, that's, I think you do have to at least creep that into the conversation. Now, say I haven't, I haven't been back for a while now. Did they take OJ's name off the ring? They did not. And you know, that's another debate here. A lot of people think they should. They haven't. Some people think he should be out of the Hall of Fame. Now, I'll go to what you said on this. I don't think that's the case. He's in the Hall of Fame for what he did in football. You shouldn't remove him. He's on the Wall of Fame for what he did in football. You shouldn't remove him. But I I do think that since you didn't retire the number um, and it's out there that, you know, there was a there was a reason not to issue it. And that was because of what it did represent. 
I don't know. I, I, I'm not saying they shouldn't have. I actually think maybe that they made the right call here. And and part of the reason they might have made the right call is that if you're the the public relations of the Bills, and this is a interesting point in this conversation, guys, which is somebody comes to you and says, I want to wear number 32, which is what Sonoris Perry did. It's, it's important to him. It's important to his family. His dad wore it. He wore it. College, all that kind of stuff. The Bills have two choices at that point, which is what they had this week or last week, whenever. The choice is to say, okay, we'll give it to you. No one's worn it in 42 years. You know what comes with it. You're comfortable with it. That's okay. The other thing they can do is say no, but then when someone like me or another reporter says, wait a minute, we heard Sonoris Perry ask for number 32 and you said no. Why would you say no if it's not retired? I think that's a harder position for the Bills to take. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that, that is true. All I know, Sale, is that on my Madden franchise, Every time a rookie tries to get number 32, I have to take it away from him and give it to and make sure that nobody has that number. Nobody has, <laughs> and nobody has 32 or funny. 34. There you go. There you go. There you go. And actually, OJ wore 36 his rookie year in Buffalo. People don't realize that. I think it was 36 he wore his rookie mm-hmm. year. And I know now, now you guys know who OJ Simpson is, obviously. But I, I think that in, you're a little bit younger than me, I think you sound like. But, you know, a lot of people, younger people, they don't realize how great, how great, great, great OJ was. I, I would say, and I was, my wife and I were having this discussion. She didn't realize either. Uh, my wife came here, moved to uh, the United States from Germany when she was 14, just before the OJ trial. She watched it, had no idea the guy was even a football player. Okay, so I like the, I, I explained to her last night, and I told people, OJ Simpson to me, it's either him or Bruce Smith are the greatest Bills who ever played. Not Jim Kelly, not Thurman Thomas, not Andre Reid. As much as I love those guys, and they were great, the two greatest Buffalo Bills ever were Bruce Smith and O.J. Simpson, whichever order you want to say. That's how great he was. That's why it's weird his number was never retired even before everything happened. Yeah, right. that's why I'm shocked to know that his number was never retired. It is right. amazing. But that's what it was. And really comes down to, I think, if he played for another organization, another owner, they probably would have, guys. But Ralph Wilson just didn't really believe in that for whatever reason. And then once everything went down, he said, okay, well, I'm not giving out the number now for other reasons. I'm not retiring it because that would mean honoring it. Well, listen, Sal, we, we really appreciate having you on. Uh, the, the information you have, the knowledge you have, that's why you, you are the oracle to the morning show, to the afternoon show, and then you have your own show. So, again, it was a pleasure having you on. I'm glad we were able to do this. No problem. Anytime, guys. Uh, and uh... – Hopefully the Bills will be still more functional than the Jets, it seems like, Steve. That's, all I, that's, that's right. what it seems like right now. That's right, Sam. Well, I guess it's my turn to get to, to get uh, up on here. So it's all right. I got wide shoulders. So, hey, as a, as a fellow Paisan here, you know, I got wide shoulders. I could take it. That's okay. I've actually been – I'm, I'm fascinated by the Jets stuff. I think the Jets actually did a, a really nice job. With it. I, I'm a Sam Darnold fan. I think he's, he's going to be good. I, I do think, however, that they that they don't have the right guy in charge, and he's Emperor Gase is not the way to go here. But we'll see. Maybe we'll see where it goes. But that's a discussion for another day. But it's interesting. Absolutely. Wow, Stevie D. I am so glad that we were able to get Sal Capaccio on the podcast. I I have to tell you. You know, and I'm I'm free to share, right? Sharing is caring, isn't that what they say? I listen to my sports radio from back in Buffalo. I stream it. I'm not gonna lie, but uh, 
I really enjoy when Sal is on the air talking to the different hosts because you get great insight, just like we did on our show. Well, let me tell you, for the first time actually uh, listening to a Buffalo Bill, uh, somebody like on the inside, like a Sal who, who covers the uh, Buffalo Bills, I, I thought his insight was tremendous. Whoa! Um, whoa. Yeah, I, I got to give it to Sal. Well, are you saying because I don't listen to Buffalo radio? No, because what about me? Well, you're different. Oh. It's not personal. Okay. But, but, but it, you know, from a Sal perspective, uh, you know, it because he's on the sidelines, he's doing all this writing, in-depth stuff on the Buffalo Bills. Um, I just thought he brought really great insight to the on the Buffalo Bills side of the fence uh, with some really hard-hitting points, um, really in-depth talk about some of these draft picks. Um, it was a great job by Sal. And, hey, he's a paisan, so it's all good for me, right? You know, I, only if Sal was over on the Jets side, you know, um, you know, with, with, with insights instead of Buffalo Bills, it would have been perfect, perfect marriage. But in all seriousness, um, I, I really want to thank Sal for his time coming on. Um, it's always good to see what my rival is doing and kind of how they, the rival Buffalo Bills are thinking and, and their insights to, to make me feel a little bit nervous going into week one matchup. Um, yeah, yeah week one. DVD, what did you think about his take on the whole number 32? You know, um, interesting take uh, on that. Um, it, my whole thing is, personally speaking, uh, I, I know you asked me his take, but my thing is, I don't, I'm going to cut this up. I don't like what Buffalo did. I'm not saying it because I'm not a Buffalo Bill guy. I just, OJ is such a big thing for the Buffalo. I mean, he was Mr. Buffalo Bill, right? You could you can put him on the Mount Rushmore for Buffalo Bills, right? right? Every team's got a route mush route uh, Mount Rushmore for their team. Absolutely. OJ's the first one, right? He's the first one that goes on that Mount Rushmore. And and everything he's done with 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 the Buffalo Bills and look, I, I understand Sal's point that they don't that they don't necessarily retired numbers, you know, in the past they haven't done that. Old, old the old regime didn't do that. But well, the new it, regime's got to respect that 32 hasn't mind. been given out. CBD, and, keep in mind, sale sale didn't lean either way, right? Because he actually gave us three points. We, you know, we were discussing off air too, but he was just bringing up all the different points. He he, t- he took the the reporter stance, right? Being impartial and, and not really favoring one side or the other. But you know, he did give us just like you were referencing with Ralph Wilson the former owner of the Buffalo Bills, never retiring the jersey number. And and that just was his practice or his policy before Jim Kelly. And then it just happened to flow. Yeah, it's a fair point. But somebody in that organization had to know that, hey, we can't give that number back out. And I understand the – I don't know if politics is the right answer right there, the right wording. It is. Um, Okay. (laughs) It is. Uh, Okay. So – I understand why they couldn't retire the number now, but if it hasn't been used, just let it kind of go away and it, it's just never used again. I don't like that they gave out the number. I just don't. I, I not, don't I don't like that they gave out the number either. I mean, our uh, famous jet goes around wanting to kiss girls on the sideline at halftime, the, the jet of all jets. <laughs> we don't see us giving out number 12 again. Well, the Patriots gave out Aaron Hernandez's number. Ooh. Yeah, well, yeah, we knew that was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I'll tell you, here, here's, here's my stance on this. And we had talked about this off air. And, and I think we're in agreement here. 
right? Oh, just like you said, OJ's on the Mount Rushmore. OJ's on the Mount Rushmore of the NFL, even though the NFL may try to deny it or not claim him. What he did in that era, you know, being the first to go for 2,000 yards against the Jets at Shea Stadium. Uh, but being the first. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised being... I didn't get the, I'm surprised I, uh, what was it? Here comes Buffalo, whatever that chant is. I'm surprised you didn't follow up with that chant. Right, but, right in. But, you know, the first to go for 2,000 yards, and that, that was such a milestone marker, right? And then OJ transcended football into Hollywood, right? So he, he really was that Mount Rushmore. Why Ralph Wilson didn't do it, I have my opinions, but that's okay. It, it wasn't done. But you can't now, all these years later, you can't, as an organization, say this number is up for grabs. You just can't. And I also brought up the sale about OJ's name being on the Ring of Honor, right? Now, at, at New Era Stadium, if you look in, like, I think it's the second level, all the way around the stadium, they have names of various players that have had such accomplished careers. Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas, Bruce Smith, Albert DeBinion, Cookie Grillchrist, Marv Levy. I mean, it it is the pantheon of the Buffalo Bills. And right on there is O.J. Simpson. So if you are disrespecting O.J. by giving out his jersey, then take his name down. It's it's it has to be one or the other. If you leave his name up, then just put the jersey away. Put that number away. It's not an option. So so let me so all those names you mentioned there that are in the Ring of Honor, I guess mm-hmm. it's called there at Buffalo. They all have their number retired. No, no, they don't so, have their. Yeah, so that's what I was going to say. I don't know if you can take OJ's name down without taking down the rest of the names if those guys' numbers aren't retired. Well, no, or, and- unless they haven't reissued those numbers. And then some of those numbers have been reissued. Okay. The ones that are up there, like the Thurman, the Bruce, and the Jim Kelly, of course, their names are up there and their numbers are retired, but retired under a different owner, right? New, new philosophy, the whole nine. All I'm saying is that if you – OJ's number was uh, retired but not formally retired because sure. nobody, nobody ever got it, yep. right? So, in essence, the number was retired. That's right. You can't give that out. And say the reason why you're giving it out is, well, it's free and it's fair game. Well, no, they they made it sound like it was more of he asked for it and he had some personal reasons on why. And they said, okay, it sounds good. And they gave it to him. And the article I read. That's exactly what happened. But I don't buy it. I don't buy it. I think there's more to it within that organization uh, stemming from the head coach who I'm still not sold on, and I've told you this in the past, I'm not sold on them, um, but it, it's all about their culture. Yeah. And, and I think they're trying to erase it, but you're not going to erase it by some guy who's been, what, on, on two different teams over the last four years, is not a starter, is not a backup, he's only there for kickoff return, and probably won't even make the team. But but here, here's the funny part, Vince, and, and, and I think this is just sports in general. So we're talking about it. The stations up in Buffalo talked about it. Um, social media talked about it. Mm-hmm. And in no time flat, everybody's going to forget about it, and it's going to be a non-story. 
it's a story right now um, over a several week period. The OTAs are going to start. Training camp is going to start. Regular season's probably going to get a mention or two by a couple of broadcasters early in the year, especially during um, uh, the preseason games. And then maybe week one against the Jets, I can see it come up if the kid makes the team. Um, and then it, and then it's it's just going to fade away. And, you know, coming 2020, some other guy's going to get 32 and it's never going to be talked about again. So uh, I think Buffalo is just is trying to weather that, that, that brief storm for 30 days. You're right. And everybody's going to move you're, on. You're absolutely right. I it'll be hard for me to move on. Just like I said to you guys, uh, you know, when we had when we were with Sale, the same thing I said to you. Even when I play Madden, and I'm not kidding, I am not kidding. When I get a rookie, and he goes and he takes 32, that's it. Hold on, pause. <laughs> I go back <laughs> in, into roster management, and I edit this player, and I change that number to Ronnie Harmon's number of 33, or. Kenneth Davis's number of 23 or whatever. How about Sam Gash? How about Sam Gash? No love for Sam Gash? You know, he could have Sam Gash. (laughs) But in 34, obviously, one of my all-time favorite players ever, uh, his his number is never given out either, right? I wish Madden would allow you to retire numbers. But uh, so, yeah, I, I, I will have a hard time with this. Even if I see this kid just running on special teams, and I just see 32 going down the field. It, that's hard for me, man. And in 2020, it'll be hard for me. And in 2021, it'll be hard for me. It just will be hard to see 32 out there. Fair points. Next up on Dex DVD, we have the New York Jets. Yes, I love talking about the Jets, good or bad. Um, and, and I think there's going to be a lot more good this year after the uh, the house cleaning that the Jets did last year. And leading in some of the stuff leading up to the draft. I do love their draft picks. And I'll tell you, um, we're getting a new fan favorite coming on board here now. Um, another recording with McGregor Wells from gangrenation.com. Um, and he does a lot of writing on the New York Jets. And, and I'm really, really excited to have him back. Uh, I know you're probably not as excited as me no, uh, because it's actually, about the New York Jets. He, he's a sharp guy. He he really is a sharp guy. And he, and he knows his New York Jets. So, no. I, I'm I'm excited to hear what he has to say, and maybe I can tell Sale, who can then tell Sean McDermott. So no, I'm I'm anxious to hear what he has to say. And you know what's great about McGregor, and, and I know he's going to join us here in a second, is that um, he he's he's fair and objective um, with the New York Jets. It's not one sided. Uh, you know, it's not like the the, the Homer side uh, where it's all good and everything's painted in a great light. Uh, I, he's fair and objective, and and I, I think that's when you're when you're talking about analyzing a, a team and moves. Um, I like folks that are objective, good and bad. And I, I thought I think that McGregor does a great job. So McGregor, with that intro, uh, welcome welcome back, and uh, uh, how's it going? Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure to be here. So McGregor, let let's just dive in head first. No no dipping the toes or anything like that. You're sitting at number three. Who are you taking? Not who do the Jets take? Who are you taking? You know, I was torn between Josh Allen and uh, and Quinnen Williams. Um, I think I probably would have ended up with uh, Josh Allen because it's just been so long since the Jets have had a decent edge rusher. But I, I can't complain that we got Quinnen Williams. He's a great player. I, I agree with you. I, I agree with you. And I was going back and forth here with my co-host. 
And leading up to the draft, he was just like you. He was beating the drum. He wanted Josh Allen. And then all of a sudden, the pick is in. <laughs> well, and you know, what's funny about that is because leading up to the draft, you, you kind of heard about Oliver, the defensive tackle that I think actually went to Buffalo. And that was kind of making me nervous because no disrespect to Oliver. At the third pick, I didn't want Oliver. I really wanted Josh Allen. Uh, just for the, the same reason. Play. You didn't want the no. best player in the draft? No, you know. Been there, done that one, right? We've done that a few years ago with, with Leonard Williams. But it's kind of back to McGregor's point, though, right? Is where when you when you know you've been lacking an edge rusher for for poof, man, it just seems like decades. Probably since John Abraham, maybe. I don't even know yeah, if I would consider him an edge rusher, right? Last one, mm-hmm. and, and I think that was that's the two thousand draft. Yep. Right. I just think that we had an opportunity to grab a guy there, and and, and we took that we. We did the safe play, and I and I just thought McCagnan, with his draft history, he went for the safe play instead of what I think was the right move in Josh Allen. I would agree with you, uh, but you know, think about it. You you have Greg Williams as that defensive coordinator, and, and I believe that Greg was carrying a lot of weight in that draft room as far as what he wanted to do and how he wanted to set up that defense. And obviously he's trying to trying to do it from the middle out, right? And and get that stud in the middle. Plus there was some unknown about Josh Allen, right? And I'm not talking about the fact that he played at Kentucky, but you know, they people said that he showed tendencies of being raw. So, you know, you get a guy who's polished, who's just dominant. From a Buffalo perspective, I don't like it. I would put it out there right now. I didn't want you to get Quentin Williams. I didn't want you to get Josh Allen. You know, I'm hoping that you picked up that kid, Mr. Irrelevant, in the number one pick. (laughs) I'll tell you why. Quentin Williams, if if it hadn't been for the fact that the Jets have just done first-round defensive tackle so many times recently, I think if this was the first one that we went for, that the Jets – fans would have been much happier with this pick. I think, I think Quentin Williams was kind of the consensus best player in this draft. He, he is a dominant, dominant interior lineman. Now, yeah, we needed an edge rusher bad, but I think if, if, if we didn't always have every single year, it seems like another defensive tackle coming aboard, I think people would have been a lot more enthusiastic about Quentin Williams, just my theory. Yeah, no, it makes sense. No, and in all honesty, you got the Williams boys and you got you got Anderson up front and you got McClendon. I mean, you, you got a lot of big bodies up there that can put they can push that pile, you know, back into the backfield. So it's not awful. It's just I wanted the sexy pick in the in the edge rusher. All we did was strengthen up the middle and be able to push from the inside. And and so in the long run, it, it hopefully it works out for the Jets and, and that guy's here for years to come and, and is a dominated player that uh that we all think he can be. Now think of think about this. And, and McGregor, what did you guys hear when the day of the draft, I'm losing my mind because I hear that there's a potential trade between the Buffalo Bills and the Jets where my Bills would move up to the number three pick so that they could go get either Quinnen Williams or or Ed Oliver. I'm losing my mind, I'll be honest with you. Did you guys catch much of that rumor that was floating around? Yeah, I heard that rumor, and it never made a lot of sense to me. Um, I don't know why. You know, generally speaking, people trade up for a quarterback, like a big package for a quarterback or an edge rusher, a dominant edge rusher. But I I don't see a whole lot of trade-ups for interior alignment. So 
Um, it, I didn't think there was ever a whole lot to it. And it's, plus, it's hard to make these trades in division. You know, this, these GMs are very um, reluctant to trade in division just in case you end up looking like you really lost a trade badly within your division. But well, I didn't I, make much of it, but I, I did hear it, though, yeah. And think about this. To your point, think about this. If the Bills would have traded from nine to go to three, not only would they be swapping picks, we would be giving the Jets a first-round pick next year. There's no way a GM would give away their first-round draft pick, to your point, within the division. Yeah, it just didn't make a lot of sense to me. I was worried. (laughs) And my (laughs) co-host can tell you. He's like, no. I'm like, dude, it's all over Twitter. I don't know what's going on. (laughs) And I tried to stay posted, but – Thank goodness that didn't happen. I was worried up until you made the pick, I'll be honest with you. Up until that pick yeah. was made, I, I was like, oh, please don't do this. Please don't do this. But I mean, uh, has there ever been – I don't know the answer to this, but has there ever been within a division where you uh, trade a first-round pick? I mean, yeah, later picks, yeah, but first-round picks? I don't know if I've ever heard of that. Yeah, I can't recall of one. No, Not in the same I, division. Either can I. I mean, if it happened, it happened – you know, right around 68, 69, right, <laughs> right, right after the merger right. where the teams didn't know where they were going. So, but it, so aside from Quinn and Williams, who is a flat out stud, in, and I'm telling you now, day one, opening day, I'm worried about this guy. I, I just, I fear this guy and what he can bring. But what did you think about the, the rest of the draft picks? You guys picked up Jack Polite. So, so Polite is the, uh, the edge rusher that they wound up picking in the third round out of Florida, which had a, he had a really good junior year uh, with 11 sacks and, and 19 and a half tackles for a loss. So he, he really kind of came into his own, but I think there's a little nervousness about, is he going to, is he going to be um, uh, the right fit maybe in the locker room type of deal? Will, will he keep his nose clean? Basically um, that, that was some of the, um, the chatter around some of the Jets picks and this one being one of them where they were felt that eh, if he turns out, there's a lot of upside. There's some risk there, but with a tremendous upside. I don't know how you feel about that, McGregor. Yeah, that seemed to be um, – the Jets draft seemed to be boom or bust right up and down the line except for maybe Trevon Wesco. Um, Polite has the whole um, whole character issues thing with, and, and also he had kind of a disastrous combine where he was running, you know, Defensive lineman. I mean, Quinn and Williams had a faster forty-yard dash than than Polite. And, and, you know, that's 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 you know, that's not a good combine. <laughs> that's not a good look for Andrew Russia. Um, and then you got the, the other third-round pick, uh, Adoga, who's you know got all the talent in the world, great feet for uh, for an t- offensive tackle, but has the reputation for being lazy, not really dedicated to his craft, and you know, lacking you know strength, functional strength for an offensive lineman. So. And then you got the, the, the fifth and sixth round picks where it's a Blake Cashman, the, the linebacker. He's had three shoulder surgeries. And then the sixth round, you got a, a West Juan Austin who's a, had two ACL injuries to the same knee. I think there's talent up and down that list, but there's also every one of those guys is a huge question mark. This is a real boomer bust draft more than you usually have with the Jets. Agreed. And, and what's interesting about that is that the Jets, you know, the ultimate draft grade, you know, people were given the Jets like an, an A minus and, I think that's a high that's a high a high grade for a team that has picked a lot of questionable guys, whether it's off the field or if it's it's uh, injury prone. 
I just think that's that's a high grade to give. And, and maybe it's an A minus because they got Williams, but no. you knew you're going to grab Williams altogether. It's an A minus because you're in the same town as Dave Gettleman. <laughs> it does make us look good. <laughs> <laughs> so, but there, there's Stevie D. There is no doubt. Quentin Williams uh, raises the bar within that draft class. I, it, it doesn't matter what the other five or six guys that you pick. This guy, if he comes and he plays like he should, I mean, he is a man child, and, and will certainly be the face. I mean, you, you could almost, how dare I say, bring back the New York Sack Exchange. And it, this guy would be the leader of that group. Well, look, I, I think the Jets defensively talent-wise, and McGregor, you keep me honest here, with Jamal Adams under Greg Williams is, is to me, is going to elevate his game under Greg Williams. Um, you got C.J. Mosley now in the middle, the free agent signee, and then you got the Williams boys up front. I think our strength up the middle is really good, and and I'm really excited to see those guys play. Um, and I, so I really think our defensive scheme is going to be much better uh, overall under Greg Williams with these guys. What I one of the things that I wish we came out of more out of the draft is more offensive line talent because I still I'm not sold on our offensive line here for Sam Donald. We made the trade with the Raiders. I can never pronounce this guy's name, so I'm not even going to attempt it. If, if you guys know how to pronounce it, please jump in. I was uh, hoping but, you knew. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, he's got all the potential in the world, but again, lack focus, injury, whatever it is. I just I don't know if this guy is going to be the real deal. You got you got uh, uh, Beacom uh, Beachman on the on the left tackle. Not high on this kid. Um, Shell, who I love at the right tackle, he had injury issues last year. So I just I wish we had more good offensive line depth. And I just don't think we really came out of that in the draft with that. Yeah, and, and the, the the center position is which she didn't really mention is to me that's the biggest question mark of all. I mean, you got a, a career backup in Jonathan Harrison is penciled in as the starter this year and when he filled in last year, I just he was getting dominated. I mean, he was not <laughs> he was not starter material. I mean, for a backup, I guess he's okay. But you have right up the middle this guy who's I think really one of the worst centers and starting centers in the NFL. That's going to be a problem all year. And I thought they would address it in the draft, and they didn't. I thought they might pick up a free agent, and they didn't. And we're really starting a um, a guy who just doesn't belong as a starter at center, and that that. I mean, it's going to be better than last year because last year our center couldn't even snap the ball. Um, Spencer Long had that finger problem where he just couldn't snap it all year. But um, So it'll be better than that. But, you know, I just don't think Jonathan Harrison is starter material. You know, I, I was surprised as well because um, you had the, the two centers that seemed to be the prize jewel coming out of uh, free agency. You had uh, Mitch Morse and Matt Paradis. And – I the rumor was that the the Jets were in on one of the two. Uh, Buffalo went big on Mitch Morse, and it, Denver, you know, Paradis was still out there. And for whatever reason, after you don't sign him, and you know that that's a need, I would have figured that somewhere in that draft that you would have gone after, you know, a center relatively high, second or third round. Yeah, it's, it's kind of puzzling what 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 the thought process is here, unless they have a ace in the hole where they think they're going to trade for somebody at the last minute. I just, I, and I'm not sure what their thought process is because I just don't think Jonathan Harrison 
as a starting caliber center. He's fine as a backup, but I don't think he's a starter. And that's where I'm kind of soured with the Jets uh, on the draft and not filling a, a need there because I think for any – look what happened with Andrew Luck. He comes back. The offensive line plays amazing, and, and he returns to all-pro form because the line you know, helped him. I think with the Jets, with a young quarterback, yeah, you bring in a nice, sexy tool in Le'Veon Bell. Um, and, and now what are you going to do if you don't have a good enough line to open up the holes for Bell or give – give Donald enough time to, to stand back there and pick apart a defense. And I'm sorry, open so, the holes for who? Um, Le'Veon Bell, baby. Uh, ha- has he even shown up yet? Well, he doesn't need to show up. It's voluntary. <laughs> Why it's called it's not voluntary. a good look, is it? When you pay somebody $13 million a year and he doesn't show up. I know it's voluntary, but just not a good look. <laughs> hey, he's forcing the organization to make excuses on day one. Well, he remember yeah. he was already there for one of them, but the voluntary he didn't show. I am disappointed for the record that he, okay. he wasn't there. Thank you. Uh, if you're trying to get me on record, I am disappointed. <laughs> um, but it is voluntary. Like every coach is now has to come to the podium and explain why certain members of the team aren't there. Every every coach has to do it in the league, but it is voluntary. Um, and so again, I I just was disappointed we didn't we didn't really hit our need on the offensive line and center is a huge hole. And, and so I am disappointed on that. Well, I'll tell you the, the best move that I saw come out of the draft was that the jets now have the Mosley brothers as the linebacking core <laughs> because they signed Jamie Mosley as well. So you'll have big brother and little brother running around in the middle of that defense for you. Can't imagine Jamie Mosley makes the team, but maybe if uh, maybe if CJ you know, presses hard enough, I'll just say, you know what? <laughs> we paid you so much money, we'll make you happy. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised if if he's sitting on the practice squad, right? Just because a little influence. But overall, I have to be honest with you, McGregor. I I was happy with the draft. I, a little, I was shocked early on, and just moving away from the Jets a little bit. Um, I was shocked a little bit with the way that everything transpired in the first half of the first round, right? When you saw Josh Allen, who was projected, he could go. We knew he wasn't going number one, even though Arizona tried to throw that out there a long time ago. You know he wasn't going one. You pretty much figured he wasn't going to go two, and everybody had him go into the Jets. And that seemed to create the trickle-down effect because he doesn't go three to the Jets, and then he doesn't go four to the Raiders. He doesn't go six to, to, to the Giants, of course. And he he ends up going to Jacksonville, which for Jacksonville, they had to think that Christmas came early. Yeah, what a, what a bonus for Jacksonville. You know, every once in a while this happens, the guy starts falling, and the team that finally gets to pick him is – it's a, you know, really a lucky, lucky team. But that, yeah, Jacksonville actually had, I thought, had a great draft. I thought they did it really well. And that it started all with Josh Allen falling to him. I don't think anyone expected that. Agreed. Agreed. The the other one, and we talked about it just for a second. What was Gettleman thinking? Can, can anybody here tell me what Gettleman was thinking? Picking up Daniel Jones, quarterback from Duke, <laughs> with the number six pick. I, I I have no idea. 
Gadabin seems to be a very bad poker player, right? I mean, apparently the the, the two teams they thought were, might might pick him were just you know they basically just fooled the Giants into thinking they might pick him. And so there was no other team that was going to pick him <laughs> before seventeen. I don't know if there was another team that's going to pick him in the first round. Maybe, but I, uh, I that, agree with that, you. Yeah. Extraordinary, extraordinary. Uh, yeah. I mean, nobody expected that. So you got Daniel Jones, and then you got the Arizona Cardinals, which puzzled me as well because you have Josh Rosen. You know you're taking Kyler Murray up to the draft. Yep. Now you trade him on day two of the draft for, what, a 52nd overall pick? So you basically – any value you had got out the, was out the door once you drafted Kyler Murray. So I, I was I was perplexed by by the Cardinals because when you think of what they gave up last year to trade up to get them, and now what they're giving them away to Miami, that's why I thought Miami really had a good draft because they were able to get a quarterback that was a first round pick, and you got them for a fifty second overall. The only thing you with win. Miami, the only thing with Miami that that I questioned with their move was when they took Christian Wilkins. Now, granted. You're talking about a stud defensive tackle out of Clemson, but Miami's problem is on the offensive line, not the defensive line. And we both know it by playing them twice a year. You know, it, it seemed like a, a, a just a revolving turnstile going through. And, and that's part of the problem that, you know, Tannehill was facing last year it was the fact that, you know, that line was not holding up. And they opted to go defense. It, that that really surprised me when you had some really big-time studs out there. Jonah Williams was gone, of course, but you still had, you know, like the likes of Andre Dillard or, or Titus Howard who were still out there. I mean, big, you know, imposing-type offensive tackles that could fill, start day one. Yeah, my, it's hard to know what Miami's doing. It, it, it kind of looks like they're just – tanking for a year um but even if that's what you're doing you know i don't think you, you, you do that in the draft i think you do that with the rest of your roster but i <laughs> that organization i'm just glad my team is not the man in Dolphins right now because <laughs> we've had th- three really bad years and i finally feel like at least for better than the Dolphins. <laughs> that that's the truth man well it's going to be interesting what chad o'shea and uh jim caldwell can do with um with josh rosen um, is it, those two are going to be really running the, the offense uh, for Miami. And then you got Fitzmagic down there. So it's kind of, you know, sweeping through the AFC East. Um, and does he have the magic? And is he able to keep the job for about eight weeks until he falls on his face and then they go to Josh Rosen? Well, and that's the best part because, McGregor, you mentioned tanking, right? Fitzpatrick is the worst quarterback to have if you're trying to tank because he's going to get you <laughs> – just enough wins to get you out of that top four, but you're not going to get enough wins to make the playoffs to even think the season was was positive. So they'll end up anywhere between eight and fifteen. You think he beats out Rosen? I can't imagine that. And oh, I think he. Career? Oh, you know what's funny? Well, you know we've seen it with the Jets. It's like that fool's gold. I don't know how to put it. Right. It's fool's gold. He right. did it with, with Buffalo. He did it with the Jets. Tampa. Oh my God! Tampa Bay was so in love with this guy, and then it all comes crashing down. It's absolutely amazing with this guy how it just comes crashing down. Um. What, what generally happens though is that it's the starter gets hurt, 
And then he, so what's 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 destined to happen is Rosen wins the job, and then gets injured, and out comes Fitzpatrick. Every place he goes, it's exactly it's like it's like geez, you do not want to be the starter when Pat Fitzpatrick is the backup. <laughs> that that is so true. But here here's my thing: if I'm tanking, I am not tanking this year for Tua. I do not want Tua. I want Trevor Lawrence from Clemson. And so I still have to wait another year. So if I'm truly tanking, I'm in full tank mode this year and next year so I can get Trevor Lawrence. Well, I feel bad. If you're truly in tank mode, why are you firing your coach? Because all you're doing is setting this new guy up for failure. Well, this is true. And why are you trading for Rosen? And that's not a tank move. That's that's a – we might – catch lightning in a bottle and have a really good quarterback move, which that ruins your tank if he, if he t- turns out to be good, you know? Well, I think what was smart about that Rosen move, it, it's also about the money because of the money that the Cardinals will pay out of Rosen's salary. The Cardinals are paying, I, I heard a, a number, which is crazy, that the Miami Dolphins are paying hardly anything of the remainder of that salary. That's all goes to the Cardinals. Really? Right. Cause yes. Because it, it was all bonus money. So that's okay. already paid out. That's right. Yeah. So for Miami, it's I trade a second round pick and I'm not paying anything for Rosen. So if it works out great, if I still draft another quarterback, they're really not losing anything necessarily other than a second round pick. That's the way I look at it for Miami. So what happens? He's a first round pick. He's got the guaranteed four plus the option on the fifth. Right. So if they pick up the option on the fifth, does Arizona still pay that or does that now go to Miami's books? So that goes to Miami, but these first-round picks, a lot of their money is in bonus money. That's all gets paid out up front. So no one, you know, you're not going to recoup that. That's already gone. So all you have to pay then is his base salary, which is pretty low. I think it's a couple of million, maybe two million, something like that. So yeah, if, if the fifth-year option, that's completely Miami's if they ever exercise that. But what what they got was just a base salary with Arizona keeping the bonus money, which was fairly fairly big. Yes. Yep. Oh, go ahead, Stevie. That's why I say it. To me, it's a home run by the Miami Dolphins or any team that would have traded for Josh Rosen because they didn't have to pay the money. All that money is really paid for by the Arizona Cardinals. So there, there's one name that I wanted to bring up before we wrap this up, and that's the name DK Metcalf. Now, being a Buffalo Bills fan, early on in all the mocks, they had DK Metcalf coming to Buffalo because we had the need for wide receiver. This is before free agency. I, I came to a, a realization that it wasn't going to happen, and they said it was going to go defense, but I was still curious where this guy was going to go, right? We all know about DK Metcalf and his photo that was circulating around, you know, his post-workout photo. Guy is just jacked, right? And Stevie D, we compared him to David Boston. They said he was a little raw, but just had the speed and didn't get the reps because of some of the other receivers there at Mississippi. But to watch this guy fall completely off the board, I mean, he went last pick of the second round. I mean, I I, I don't even know how to explain it. What are your thoughts on that, McGregor? Well, wasn't he the, the third best, I mean, not, not best, third most productive receiver at, at Ole Miss? Yes. I'm not sure. I think he was. So, you know, it, it's hard. Hard to know what to make of this guy. I mean, it, this guy should have dominated g- given his physical traits, but he didn't. I mean, he was, what did he get, 600-something yards or something? I mean, it, it's – I thought he was the ultimate boomer bust uh, guy in this whole draft. I was just glad the Jets didn't take him because 
the Jets took a guy similar to him in Stephen Hill. You know, incredible measurables, but Stephen wasn't a football him. player. <laughs> Yeah, yeah but, I mean, he, was, he just he just wasn't. No, I'm not saying Metcalf is Stephen Hill. I, Metcalf may well turn out to be a great receiver, but I just think there's nothing to go on from his college <laughs> career. You're just you're basically just drafting measurables, and, I, and I'm I'm not so sure that's a great idea. If it works out, fine, you've got a stud. But if it doesn't, you're, he may be out of the league in three years. Right, and I think that's why he fell. It, it's exactly to your point. It's why he went basically the the last pick in the second round. He's got he's got the talent. He probably has the talent, but are, is the NFL is the team really going to get that out of him? Um, I like AJ Brown. Honestly, that's that's a guy I like. Yeah, that's how, produced, almost, right? Metcalf yeah. didn't produce. Yeah, yeah, but so I not not that I'm defending Metcalf. Don't, don't get me wrong. But when when I look at what he has, what he can do, and then I look at the system. The system was not a system geared for the wide receiver, and those wide receivers still stood out. But he had somebody, a, a senior, that was ahead of him who was taking the majority of the reps and getting the passes. I, you know, I'm curious. He, I know he had a little bit of an injury. And the one thing that they, they kept harping on was his time in the three-cone drill at the combine because his time was actually slower than that of Tom Brady's. But at the end of the day, when when I watch him, you know, and that's not always fair, but when you watch some of the YouTube videos of this guy, I mean, he's just running past everybody. I, I can coach you on running a dig or running an in, but I can't coach you just running past a defensive back who's 15 yards off the ball. Yeah, I question how much you can do that in the NFL, though. I mean, it's just, you know, how many times do you see – but there are faster guys than DK Metcalf in the NFL right now. He ran at what a four point three three forty, which is obviously very fast. But there are faster guys than that in the NFL, and these guys aren't blowing by NFL defensive backs every play, just scoring touchdown after touchdown. I just don't think that running straight down the field and you're just going to blow past because you know they're going to just put a safety back and 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 say okay the safety will take care of him. I, I don't think that's got that's the the road to success in the NFL. I, We'll see, but uh, just having that alone to me is, is not nearly enough for a wide receiver. Well, we'll see. Russell has his wide receiver. They say Baldwin may retire, so Russell has his receiver out there. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I, I the one thing I am glad that he didn't go to you guys and he didn't go to New England. Uh, I'm glad. I'm glad of that. If you, if I'm not going to have you, you know you. Go somewhere. Go as far west as you can go, and he did that. I was glad he didn't come to my team and see you too. So we're, we're agreed on that. <laughs> so McGregor, listen, it's it's been a pleasure having you on, and you know, just you you took the invite. You were like, absolutely glad to talk. Absolutely glad to talk football. We'd love to have you on just before the start of the season again. And uh, hey, listen, anytime I'm there for you guys. Anytime, it's a pleasure. Wow, Stevie D. A lot of good insight. I didn't, you know, I, I have to say, I think you guys are hating on my guy, DK Metcalf, but that's not really what McGregor came on for. He came on to talk about the Jets and, uh, you know, definitely some good insight. You guys are going back and forth, certainly. Yeah, uh, always a good time with McGregor. And again, thanks, McGregor, for coming in from uh, from gangrenenation.com. And uh, his insights are, are always uh, appreciative. Um, it's always good to hear both sides of the story. Um, and, um, and again, McGregor, great job and, and thanks. 
So, Stevie D, I think we can officially put a bow on the official word sports 2019 NFL draft. I, I think we can do that. Yeah, I did. You know, another great year um, for the NFL as a whole. Obviously, we covered a little bit more of the Buffalo Bills and the New York Jets. Um, but overall, uh, I thought the draft was uh, it didn't go down as expected. There was some no. uh, definitely, you know, some no. uh, interesting picks um, and kind of see how this rookie class shapes out, not only for our teams, but like I look at the Raiders as one. You know, they had three number ones. Right. And, and how does how does that. How's that going to play out for them and their rebuild that they're doing uh, there over in Oakland slash Vegas? I'll tell you, when you talk about the Raiders, they, in talking in poker terms, they pushed all of their chips to the center of the table on Seal and Farrell because they traded Khalil Mack to the Chicago Bears. You traded a former first-round pick, number four pick in the draft, you traded the defensive rookie of the year. You traded an NFL All-Pro, and you got back two first-round picks. And you use one of those first-round picks. You know, obviously the Bears pick was later on, but you use one of your – they had three on a defensive end, which means that he's the replacement player. I don't care how anybody wants to slice it or dice it. At the end of the day – you got rid of a defensive edge rusher, and you drafted a defensive edge, rush, edge rusher. These two guys will forever be linked together and will be compared to each other. And he better bring something to the table, or Mike Mayock and John Gruden may have a short life in the silver and black. Well, I don't know if John Gruden will have a short life because he's still got nine years left. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but Mayak would probably be on a shorter leash to that. Um, but I'll tell you one thing, since you brought up Mike, Mike, Mike Mayak, you know who's fighting for their GM life is, is the guy for the Giants in Gettleman. I mean, you yes. want to talk about a reach with, with Daniel Jones from Duke. Yes. I mean, that is, that's it. To me, that's a huge reach. Um, and if he doesn't hit, and he winds up getting let go of the Giants. I don't know if he gets another job, right? Because I, how they handling the Eli thing, you know, I, I'm not an Eli guy. I, I don't think he's a very good quarterback. I think he's well past it. And so you draft his replacement. But man, you you you, I mean, you picked up man. What we were thinking? What second mid second maybe third round pick for Daniel Jones? Yeah. You pick you pick him. Was it sixth in the draft? Right. Yep. He went number six. Six. Uh, That that is crazy. I don't care. I know the old saying is, if you think he's your guy, go get him. But I mean, that's that's a reach. And I I know I'm hating on Daniel Jones, and I understand that the relationship with the Mannings and the Manning passing camps and all that. I, I I understand all that. But if it doesn't work, does Gittleman ever get another GM job if he gets let go from the Giants? Because that he he's really tied to that pick because it was such a reach of bringing him into the first round. When you talk about Gettleman, I, you know, I remember when he was up for the job before he got the job, because one of the guys that was interviewing for the job was Lewis Riddick. And Lewis Riddick is a, is another guy in the media who I like to listen to great insight, right? Great insight. And Lewis did not get the job. And if you think about it, what we were talking about with the comparison between Daniel Jones and Dwayne Haskins, 
could also be the same comparison we draw between Dave Gettleman and Lewis Riddick. And both of those could backfire for reasons. <laughs> for right. reasons. Let me ask you this question. Has Eli, in his recent play, set the bar low so that a Daniel Jones actually can come in and be mediocre, but yet he's not feeling the wrath of you know, filling big shoes. No, I, I don't think I honestly this is gonna sound really odd. He doesn't have big shoes to follow because I think in all fairness, when you truly ask a giant fan what they think of Eli Manning, I'll give you an example. My dad, big Giants fan. How we don't get along anymore when we talk football. Yeah. Uh right. Uh and he because he jumped ship. Uh, to the Giants back in the early 80s uh, because of a coach named Joe Walton of the Jets. Jet fans, you know who I'm talking about. Um, and so he jumped ship. Um, and so uh, when I asked him about Eli Manning, you know, for years and years and years, he says he he's just an average quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Daniel Jones is – people are going to put Eli Manning in the Hall of Fame. I don't put him into that class because his regular he, – he's just an average – his numbers are average. Right. If you look at his career, can you say he's any better than Dalvin McNag other than he's got two Super Bowls? All right. If you look at the regular <laughs> Why are you season, up that name? <laughs> because he's an eagle in that in that division, and and I, I think he said he was a Hall of Famer not that yes. long ago. <laughs> Maybe that's why it was in my head, right? But I mean, in fairness, when you look at Donovan McNabb's career, though, I thought Don McNabb, other than injuries, because he played hard and and he was a physical quarterback. His career in the regular season was much better than than Eli Manning's, right? But yeah. Eli Manning rode the curtails of his defense in, in a miraculous catch to two Super Bowl rings. So he's endeared by 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 more. But when if you really break down his football play, he's a mediocre quarterback. Well, so hold Daniel- on, hold on a minute, hold on. We had a debate before, in, in what you're doing, in essence is kind of, I think, proving my point, where the Super Bowl victory really should not carry that much weight. No, right? Be- but because- screw Dan Marino, and I don't want to hear it. But, but think, think about it. You have Eli, who has two Super Bowl championships, and you're saying that he shouldn't be a Hall of Famer because he has a 500 winning percentage in the regular season. Yeah. But but if you look at his touchdown to interceptions, all of that, it's not very good. It's well, not very good at all. Touchdown to interception is what one to one and a half or something like that. He he he's 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 like a three hundred to two hundred guy. Okay, but, but he's, he's, had his, some, he's had some plus average years. But let me tell you something. He had plenty of stinko years. He has, years guys. and he the has. fumbles that that you you know he still had fumbles and interceptions. I'm just I just think he's an overrated quarterback. I agree because his I, last name is Manning. I I absolutely agree. That's the biggest thing is that he carries that last name of Manning, so that automatically gives him bonus points. But you know when you talk about a 500 uh, career percentage win quarterback, that's not great. No, right. You're you're just above fifty or uh, maybe sixty percent in your completion percentage. That's not great, right? And you've had several mediocre to average years, where, like you said, Stevie D, the defense has carried you, and then you won two Super Bowls. One because of a miraculous catch. 
I'll give him credit for spinning out of the sack. Okay, I'll give you that one. Should have been in the grasp. <laughs> but, you know, you, you heave it downfield blindly, right, because you're running. You're not really looking. You're just hoping and praying, and, and your prayer is answered. Now you go to the Hall of Fame? I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so. And that's why I say that the Super Bowl wins really should not carry that much clout. No, Because no. the Super Bowl wins are a 52 or 53-man type victory. I, I, I'll even do you one better. I, not even do you one better. I'm just going to add to what you're saying. If you're a Hall of Fame quarterback, if you look at all the quarterbacks in the Hall of Fame, it's got to be 90 8%, if not higher, because I don't have the record, so I got to make something up. Eli Manning's had a record at 7 and 9, 6 and 10, 6 and 10, 1 11 and 5, 3 and 12, 5 and 11. <laughs> Those are his last five years in the NFL, six years in the NFL. I'm going to repeat that 7 and 9, 6 and 10, 6 and 10, 11 and 5, 3 and 12, 5 and 11. That's a Hall of Fame quarterback. I don't oh, think so. If oh. you go to the years before that, nine, you're you're leading this engine. It, I know you because you said he's a 500 quarterback. It just goes to my point. Uh, more, it just I. If you're a leader of a of an organ, how do you, how can you say that's Hall of Fame? Because he threw for 4,400 yards. Big deal. All right, so he, he went six and ten. He did 30 and 14. That's a pretty good passing year. I'll give him that. But your team went six and ten. Right. I mean, right. he had. I mean, he's had some good. Good football years. Doesn't make you a Hall of Famer. Just like 24 touchdowns, 18 picks. 24 touchdowns, 17 picks. 23 and 20. Yeah, 31 I mean, and 25. You, 18 you can, and 27. I mean, that's, you, can, you can read those numbers all to your blue in the face. But you, you keep saying it. You're average. Right. Average. Right. right. I, I know I kind of went sideways here, and it kind of brought us into a numbers game with Eli Manning. But that's why when I look at Daniel Jones, the pressure that Daniel Jones has is not following Eli Manning. The pressure is to live up to a number six pick when he should have been a third round pick. Well, no, now, and, and don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he's got to live up to Eli Manning. I'm saying that Eli Manning has brought that bar down, right? He didn't raise the bar where where Daniel Jones has to play really exceptionally well. I'm saying that Daniel Jones can get away playing average, just like we talked about what Eli did. He can play average and walk away with a successful long career with the Giants. Yes, it's it's yes, he could. He he, he could. Um, although um in this day and age, if Sam Darnold is oh, becomes yeah. comes the quarterback in New York that other added pressure on the Giants organization because the Jets are to the Jets and the Mets are tied to the hip, right? They are they are the sister in this group. Yep. Right. The Yankees and the Giants own the town. And so if Sam Darnold with with Adam Gates really turns into into something, the pressure now on Daniel Jones and the Giants organization, it becomes greater because the back page really is more dominated by the Giants uh, because of their history and their winning tradition where the Jets really, mm, they can't get out of their way, right? And 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 so it's going to be interesting in how the New York media plays it um, if he is a 55 complete percentage kind of guy, 50-50 to, to interceptions, and how long that leash gets. 
because the Giants, especially since Parcells was there, when you think of the Giants, they they don't have too many long losing seasons. Now, but before Bill Parcells, they were a mess, mm-hmm. right? Um, in the 70s and, and the early 80s, and Parcells turned that ship around. And so now the expectation since in the last 30 something years has been to win. And and so four Super Bowls, five Super Bowl appearances in the last 35 years, it's a different culture now for the Giants, and the expectations are a lot higher. And so I, I really do believe the there will be pr- more pressure on Daniel Jones. I think it's more than what, what you think it will be because the expectation has changed, and the expectation is Daniel Jones. We expect you to be, in this day and age, 65% completion percentage. Your well, touchdown interception ratio has got to be better, right? And 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 you got to lead this team because you got a young running back. And uh, I think there's going to be more pressure on this kid. It you just, know, you 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 said something though. Out of everything you said, it really just hit me when you said Sam Darnold. You got basically two guys coming in at the same time, yeah. right? One year apart yeah. in the same city, yeah. and if Darnold turns it up and he starts playing. That's more pressure than Phil Sims, yeah. Jeff Hostetler, yeah. Eli Manning, any of them put together. Because well, the Giant he, fans are saying, "How is he doing this, and you're not doing it?" Well, I'll do you one better. I I think Saquon Barkley is a hell of a running back, okay, but a running back is second fiddle in the NFL to a quarterback. Sorry, right? It's proven through the years now. You could draft a running back in any round, and you sure. can make him a star. The Giants passed on Sam Darnold to take Saquon Barkley. Again, Saquon Barkley, very dynamic running back. Very dynamic running back. I, I was really impressed with him. Um, but if I'm building a franchise first, I'm taking the quarterback first, the running back second, right? That's the way I look at it. So I, I just think that that's the added pressure now in New York City to add on to that statement with Sam Darnold is that the Giants could have had Sam and literally passed on him by one pick to the Jets. But now does Saquon Barkley take the pressure off of Daniel Jones where Le'Veon Bell, you know, I, we, we, we talked about it. I, I'm not, I'm not completely convinced Le'Veon Bell is going to be the Le'Veon Bell we saw years past. Not, not just because of age. I just don't know if, Passion, passion, yes. and heart, and determination yes. to want to be great. He got and, paid, right? He, you know, he got his way. I well, just that's that's going to separate between that and the Hall of Famer, right? If Le'Veon Bell truly wants to be known as a Hall of Famer, he's going to have to produce for the New York Jets. And if he does, right. then then that's all good for Sam. Yeah. Just like Saquon will be all good for Daniel Jones. I mean that that would be a nice dynamic duel, right? I, I think say. Personally, I think Sam is a better quarterback than Daniel Jones. That my opinion. I'm not in love with Sam. I know he's your guy. I'm not in love with him, but I think he's a much better quarterback than Daniel Jones. I think if Le'Veon Bell plays e- even equal to or a little under what he did in Pittsburgh, that's going to help propel Sam Darnold, right? Because now you got the play fakes, you got the the swing passes. Pressure comes in. He's able to pick up blitzes. He could do everything for you. That will help. That will help Sam Darnold. Saquon could do the same thing for Daniel Jones. 
I, you know, it's just, you know, that that's going to be a big asset for Daniel Jones because who would they have taken this year? They, they would have been looking at maybe going after Frank Gore or TJ Yeldon. Right. right. If they but, didn't but, take Saquon Barkley. Right. Uh, look, I mean, you can play this because look, there were playmakers in this draft that Giants could have gotten. Right. It only time will tell. Does it, did it pay off to draft Saquon Barkley before a quarterback? Now, now quarterback is now turned out to be Daniel Jones. Well, CBD, I think this was fun and, and we can, we can always continue this uh, on some of our other shows, but uh, we, it, we have to wrap it up for tonight. Um, you're lucky, Eli. You're lucky, Eli. <laughs> you're lucky I got cut. <laughs> but CBD, how awesome was this? We had Sal Capaccio. We had McGregor Wells. We had, we had guys coming on that were just bringing insight, dropping knowledge on the official Word Sports podcast. How awesome was that? Awesome. Awesome. I can't explain. I can't say it any better than that. And to Sale and to McGregor, you guys are welcome on the show anytime. Just give us a call and we will make sure that you get on. Stevie D, that's going to wrap it up for us. Uh, a great show. We didn't have our fantastic finishes, but you know, when you have a jam packed show like we had today, sometimes some things have to get cut from the schedule. But uh, for everybody, you can check us out on all of our different social media platforms. We're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram. And of course, you can check out our podcast at anchor.fm, uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. Uh, we're all over the place. Spotify. I can just keep going down the list, DVD. So it's been fun. I'm Vince. I'm Steve. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>